This episode of Little Bit of Life podcast is sponsored by Through the Storm. I found this motivational, empowered brand and company, and I am absolutely obsessed with them. I cannot wait to share this with you. They are on a mission to break stigmas and help people face their storm. They give a portion of proceeds to vetted charities that they spotlight every single month. They have performance hats and trucker hats, but that's not even the best part. I was so impressed and amazed when I received one of their hats in the mail, and especially with this episode today. They are so important to me in regards to what they are doing for the company and as well as those that are out there in breaking stigmas. Along with my packaging, I received two postcards, one with an incredible image on it, but it was blank. So I wondered, hmm, who would send a postcard blank? But with the second one, it said, thank you for deciding to promote our company. We are on a mission to break stigmas surrounding mental health. Each order includes this blank card. Imagine a world where you see someone struggling and you say something. Wow, I am absolutely impressed with this company. Make sure you check them out and order today at www.throughthestorm.shop or also check out their Instagram at throughthestorm.apparel. Make sure you order and break that stigma and help a small company along the way. Welcome to Little Bit of Life podcast. I'm your host, Tabitha, better known as Little on social media. A lot of you may know me from social media, but Little is shown off the apps. This podcast is dedicated to having the real, raw, and occasional chats on topics of what we seem to think but don't say. Special guests will join in that have impacted me along the way. Very little is left off limits. Enjoy on your favorite streaming platform, watch live videos of interviews on YouTube, and let's dive into some topics together. Hey guys, welcome into another episode in season three of Little Bit of Life podcast with your host, Little. I'm bringing you this very special episode and it's very special to me because I always get a lot of videos and a lot of content sent to me on social media platforms. And I always have an interest, especially when speaking about wrongfully convicted, wrongfully accused, and especially when that regards the military. But this story hit home for me. This story is not only one that affected this individual, Micah Carroll, as he lives in my new state of Texas, but hearing his story really just moved me in such a way that I had to drive over three hours to meet him for my very first live in-person interview. I needed to meet this man. I needed to hear his story. I needed to feel the emotion and I needed to bring this to your attention. When you listen to this episode, how many of you have at-home cameras? They're supposed to be secure and keep us safe, right? But what happens when those own home security cameras turn against you and flip your life upside down? Losing your career, losing your marriage, losing your children, and losing all individuality and creating yourself all over again. Please enjoy this very special episode with Micah Carroll and Arvis Owens of Would You Care? And please make sure to share this story and let's make a change. Hey guys, welcome in another episode, a little bit of life podcast with little, this interaction seems a little bit different than what you're used to. And the reason is, is because I drove all the way from Fort Worth to Austin to sit with our guests for a live interview. It's something that we have to do for this story. And I'm so excited to bring this to you. You've probably seen his story here and there that I've shared on an Instagram reel or a TikTok video, but it does not do the story justice until we're actually physically sitting here together. And we have Arvis Owens that I would love to introduce with us. Arvis, how are you doing? This is not the first time we've had you here. How are you? That's true. I am great, Tabitha. Thanks for having me on again. Thank you. 
So Micah, it's so great to be sitting with you. Um, for those that don't know, give us a little bit of a backstory. Why are we sitting here? What has gone on, I would say, in the last couple of years, months, days, hours within your life? Why are we sitting here today? I was falsely accused and wrongfully committed uh, in the United States Air Force. Yeah, committed, convicted, mm -hmm. and uh, basically the same thing, I think, committed to a different life. Um, and uh, my life has been turned upside down and uh, I am in a fight for my life, just like so many others that I uh, know and love to include artists. With your story that has literally gone viral, but I'm always one, especially with Arvis, viral to me means that there is a change. We're making movement. We need a change, especially for those um, in your case that are wrongfully convicted. With your situation, I did a poll. I love to do polls before I come on to any interview episode. I've always asked so many people, how many of you actually have cameras that are in your house? And the astounding amount was 100%. 100% of people in the United States have cameras in their home. We see it as a sense of security. We see it as a sense of something that keeps us safe from the outside world. But in your situation, what happened in your home was something that did not keep you, your life, or especially with the military, your career safe. So what happened when it involves a camera? So I suspected my wife of uh, being unfaithful to me. And I needed to know the truth in order to... Uh, know what direction to go and what to do. Uh, and it wasn't the first time that this had happened. So I was really in a decision-making mode. And I I went out and bought a nanny cam uh, to see if my suspicions were real. And um, that, in turn, that, that decision to put a nanny cam in my house, my bedroom, uh, is why I am sitting here with you today as a uh, convicted uh, individual from the United States Air Force and a sex offender. So when we talk about having a manicam, and especially with Arvis, tell me if this process is with your mind of obviously, as well as yourself being wrongfully convicted and having to be registered and having so many people within your company of would you care that you're helping as well. Why would this be a connection between a nanny cam and a sex offender, when it comes to a marriage, when it comes to an affair, why is that such a huge jump and a leap for those civilians that may be listening? This is considered normal. So I'm glad you asked, Tabitha, and, and thank you again, Micah, for sharing your story with us. It's because the military wanted to get convictions regardless of what the evidence shows. And, and so literally, you're right. If it was a normal person in a normal environment, then we wouldn't be here today. But what the military is doing in many, many cases, just like Micah's, just like my own, is they are manipulating things so that they can get the convictions. And so we want the American people to know just because most people, they, they trust in the military, they believe in it, they're patriotic, as, as we all are. And you want to trust them with your children. You want to trust them with your loved ones, that they're going to be treated fairly and honestly. And what most people don't realize is due to pressure, political or otherwise, they are cutting corners and doing things that is just not right. And so the rule was designed to catch people who are peeping toms. So people who put, who take upskirt photos, who take shower photos, 
of people and things like that. So they use that rule to go after Micah, even though he presented proof of his wife's infidelity. She even testified to as much. So they knew, and he wasn't allowed to present that information. They were able to warp his his purpose and say it was something else than what his intention was, even though they knew it to be false. And so it, it happens in, in many cases. But like I said, they use this unique structure of the peeping Tom type rule to go after Micah unjustly. But the big question that I'm just astounded at is your home was not on base. Correct. Your home was off base. This is a, this is, you were living in a sense, a civilian type of lifestyle. That is correct. However, the military is making the choices, not for Texas, where you, where your property was located. Correct. It was in Alaska. In Alaska. Okay. But hmm. same, same, same. It's the same story, whether it was in Texas or Alaska. Hmm. So when this happened and when this occurred, I mean, I can't even begin to imagine you have a family, you have children. So what happened once you were brought to the military and had to tell your story? Like Arvis said, you weren't allowed to present anything. It was almost like everything was already stacked against you before you even walked into the door. That's how I see it and feel on the outside. Am I correct? In that? It is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, they twisted the, like Arvis mentioned, they twisted my intent to try and either one, salvage my marriage by bringing the truth to light that my wife was being unfaithful uh, and then working through that, or me reconciling with myself that it's time to move on to a different relationship. I needed to know one way or the other for closure purposes to to make a decision about my future. Mm -hmm. And they twisted that into um, a a sexual misconduct type of scenario uh, that, that I, I put that camera in my house for uh, my own sexual gratification and um, how that is even allowed and how anybody could uh, be happy with themselves sleep at night for, for doing that to another human being. I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who may not have seen the reel or heard the story or have any idea what's going on with Micah, what happened with it? Because we're getting personal. That's what we do on here. What made you kind of have that inclination of something's going on at home? This is my next step. I know something's going on. I just have to see what's happening when I'm not there. So I was deployed uh, to Afghanistan and, you know, I know my wife uh, and her conversations with me were a little different on the phone when I would normally have phone calls with her. Uh, she wouldn't be available mm-hmm. uh, just some strange behavior. And, and I just, I, it just got more and more uncomfortable as my deployment went on. And, um, this was the first affair. By the way. And so I approached my commander and asked, you know, told him, my uh, intuitions and and he's like, hey, you're you're a few weeks, four or so out from going home anyway. Let's send you home and see if we can't figure out, you know, what's going on. He said, if your mind is back there in Alaska anyway, you're not going to be any good to me over here in Afghanistan. So he sent me home, mm-hmm. uh, and I get home, and 
I don't initially confront my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just try and act like everything's normal. Hanging out with my kids in the front yard, throwing football around. And uh, I'm noticing that their skills have significantly improved. And I know my wife doesn't throw the football. And I'm like, wow, you guys have been practicing? Well, yes, Nick has been teaching us to throw the football. Uh, and I'm like, Nick, who's Nick? Well, that's mommy's friend. He's been coming over and staying with us and hanging out. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, and the rest is history. That was the first affair. Uh, and so I, I tried to get over it. I tried to take the mindset of forgiveness and, and let's, let's move on with the marriage. I'm not, I'm not perfect either. Mm-hmm. You know, we all make mistakes. And, but she eventually decided that she wanted to leave and be with this other man and she let. So I was a single dad for about a week until she came back and said, let's, let's repair the marriage. Let's move to a, a different city and a different house in Alaska and symbolize a new start which is what we did. Uh, and a couple months later, I'm, I still have this gut feeling that, that she is still being unfaithful. And uh, she was tasked to deploy with the Air Force. And, and I figured that, you know, I need to go to her leadership, tell them what's going on and say, look, I don't want her deploying with this other man who was in her same active duty Air Force unit. And so, they said, well, she's going, but we'll take him off the deployment. Well, and that was great. I was happy with that decision. Mm-hmm. She can still deploy. We'll, we'll figure it out. They're not going to be together. Well, little did I know, she started having an affair with somebody else on this deployment. And I found out because that man's wife contacted me and said, hey, I was contacted by somebody in Guam saying, you know, these two individuals are sleeping together and just thought you deserved to know, which is when I was like, hmm, we'll see about that. So I, that's when I bought the nanny cam while she was deployed and I uh, had it all set up. So when she got home, then I could, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'll admit that, you know, I maybe watched too many movies with this type of scenario in it and putting a camera, hidden camera in, in the house, you know, that way I could, you know, have evidence against her in court, you know, when it came to mm-hmm. uh, divorce and child custody and all that. Well, that backfired on me. I think we've all been in that position. I mean, Arvis, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, we've all been in that situation where we've we've been raised up. Our home is our safety. That That's where we feel comfortable. And I mean, especially with children, you want to see what's going on in your home, who's around your children. You're not even at home. You're on a deployment. You want to know who's coming in and out of your home, if your children are safe. I mean, we always talk about what we seem to think, but don't say on here. I have a ton of them in my home. It's to watch my dogs. But I mean, if somebody in my home is doing something that they shouldn't be, I feel that that's a right of mine to see what's going on in my household. Arvis, with wrongfully convicted, have you ever heard or seen anything like this when it comes to cameras? So, so not in this specific instance with a camera. So, obviously, each case is unique, and the military goes after them different ways. N- not in this specific instance. In fact, we went to our investigator to look at a state to see how often parents are prosecuted for having nanny cams in their home. You know, their babysitters there. Maybe they invite their friend over, and the answer was zero. And so that's why we want to educate parents, again, who 
who are thinking about, you know, encouraging their children to go to the military or, or watch, you know, military movies, because what the military does is they cultivate one image on those movies, on those TV shows. But as we see in the case of Micah and others, uh, the reality is far different. And so the, the question is, how could, and Micah said that a person sleep at night, knowing that they could ruin someone's mm-hmm. career and their life. And you spoke about children. Let's talk about him not able to be a father to his children for so long. I mean, that, that, that's just, it's heartbreaking. But, but you're exactly right, is we have an expectation to be able to see what's happening in our home, in our bedroom, right? And they took this and they warped it to fit a narrative. And the question is, why would they do this? And who will hold them accountable for correcting this? And if the American people don't stop now, then they're inviting that to happen in regular civilian laws. Typically, the military is a test bed for things that are introduced to the general population. So for the people who say, well, I'll never be in the military. I don't have anybody. It's if you say this is okay, then what you're saying is you want them to have rules like this. And if they're doing this, God knows what else they're doing. So it's just really tragic. Speaking on, and I know it's a touchy subject, um, but for those that are listening that may wonder, what is life like now that, I mean, I'm, I'm appalled that you even had to register as a sex offender. To me, that's just so disgusting that, like you said, how could the military sleep at night? I'm sitting next to you. I was raised with people in the military and people in law enforcement. I'm a very good judge of character. That's why I drove all the way down here three hours to sit in person and have my first interview with somebody in person. What does that look like for life for you going from a successful career and a marriage to now this new life that you have to deal with for the rest of your life? Um, Well, first and foremost, uh, I was made out to be a monster, not just with the sex offender registrant, Mm -hmm. but my relationship with my first three children um, is non-existent and uh, I've tried sent care packages Uh, I've gone up to where they live now uh, to try and see them I've gone up there at graduations they're all adults now uh, young adults Uh, I've left presence for them on their vehicles in the parking lot of their schools. Uh, It's uh, every day I wake up and I think about my kids. Excuse me. Uh, Currently, I have a three and a half year old and I can't even take her to school. Can't pick her up from school. Can't take her to Disneyland. Sporting event, she she plays soccer very well. She's three and a half years old, but she's interested in it. Uh, I'm a golfer. I can't take her to a camp where she could learn to be a better golfer uh, because that's focused on children and inviting other children. I'm not allowed. It's There's so many things that I cannot do uh, where I live is dictated by this registration. Uh, can't take my daughter to a museum that is, it's called a doozy for children. They, where they learn and, and uh, can't even do that. 
It, it, so many things are affected by this. Uh, all because I caught my wife cheating on me. Arvis, you and I have talked about this in other episodes. Um, it's not only what you miss out on, but it's the way that society treats those that are on the registry as well. It's a safety concern. Those that are not to be on that registry, society does not look well upon anyone. And it's dangerous. I mean, we have we hear about it, not as not the true numbers that we should be hearing about, but sex offenders are murdered every single day. And it just seems to be, oh, well, that, that happens. But when we're talking about wrongfully convicted, wrongfully accused, and this gentleman next to me, it's also a cause of concern and safety. Am I correct? You're exactly right, Tabitha. Um, in this country, as you said, they're, they're killed because they are considered the lowest of the low. And people never take the time like you're doing now to, to dig into the story, to find out like what really happened. And there, there are many, many people falsely accused and wrongly convicted who are scared to answer their door. I mean, every time Micah goes to answer the door, it could be some vigilante who just saw a listing online and says, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to take revenge uh, for something that there is no revenge for. He, he is the victim here. And and, and I'll tell you what's extremely tragic for me, and I know Micah was probably going to mention this in a second, is I'm from this great state of Texas. I love Texas. Is that even though Micah submitted his case to the Department of Public Safety, which has the ability to look at his case and remove him from the registry, they've elected not to do that. I believe they said something to the effect of they're going to honor the decision of the Air Force without even trying to uncover. So it's one thing when a random person chooses to persecute and go after a person without digging into, it's quite a different entity when the agency responsible for things in a state refuses to even look and uncover the truth. So I'm just very disappointed. I'm just hoping someone in the state of Texas uh, in a position uh, can reach out and try and help and try to rectify this. Because like I said, Texas you know, for, for you say what you want, uh, but but it's again, I've always believed Texans were about doing what's right. I think many, many people are like that, but but it was always a source of pride. So it really hurt my heart to know that someone in my home state would uh, would not even look into Micah's story, much less try and do what they could, the minimum to take him off the sex offender registry. It amazes me because it feels like you're. Your career has just been almost shadowed upon based on this decision. And I feel, especially in the state of Texas, hearing that the military is more concerned about keeping their narrative as best as possible and disciplining you as a victim as much as possible. So if we have somebody that's listening right now, I'm in Texas. I Little officially lives in Texas now. I am disgusted that the state is not even willing to do the extra work, do your job, look into it, find the truth, because I'm sitting next to a man who deserves not even just to be honored for what you've done for this country and where you have gone and put your life at risk, but you deserve a life. This is not a life to be living. You don't have your children. You're not able to be around your daughter and you're doing everything that's possible to just Come out of a situation where, like you said, you just found your wife having an affair. That's detrimental in itself. That's something that can affect your mental health. That's something that can affect relationships for the rest of your life. 
So if somebody is listening right now, especially in the state of Texas, and they're able to pull this and cause for change, what what would be your lifelong wish? Is it to, to be just completely off of the registry so you're able to be with your family and get a little bit of peace of mind back? Well, that's that's certainly one of the priorities. Um, being off the registry would certainly improve my current life. Uh, I don't believe that being removed from the registry would help uh, with repairing the relationship with my first three children. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more that goes into that. Uh, on that note, I, I actually, a couple of years ago, went up uh, to try and see my kids and I was able to arrange a time to spend with my middle daughter, my 21 year old. And, um, she, we had, a, we had a blast. We ate ice cream together. We went to Olive Garden, you know, and, and we just had good talks, uh, and, and, a, and a hope to reconnect and, and have a relationship moving forward. Uh, well, she's a student in college and her mother found out that we met and, um, she threatened her with revoking her car and her phone and that she wouldn't be able to live under her roof if she continued to talk to her father. Um, so again, being off the registry is, is not really going to help that situation at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is, that is, that is for my, my current marriage, my current uh, relationship with my, my three and a half year old, um, my wife, is a decorator and she loves holidays. Uh, we can't even decorate for Halloween and hand out candy because of my current status. So being off the registry would certainly improve uh, my current relationship with my wife and daughter and, and what we do as a family moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I am a part of a bigger campaign along with Arvis here to to shed light on what's happening uh, with the injustice. Uh, it's so hard to even talk about justice because that word just gets thrown around so much. Um, what's justice, who's justice for, so on and so forth. But there's so many other stories like mine that I've heard that just, just break my heart. And I just want, I want this to not only help me and my future, but all the other men and women, actually, there's a few out there that are, are being wrongfully convicted and their lives have been turned upside down. It needs to change. I think the main thing for listeners is you cannot buy your time back. Mm-hmm. You cannot replace the memories. It's missing. And that's something that's happening with so many wrongfully convicted is you don't get the time back. You don't get the memories back with your family, with your children. And that's something that's not repairable. We talk about mental health on here all the time. How has this affected you personally? I mean, being in the military, did you know any kind of injustice like this happened? No clue. Uh, I was raised in a military family. Uh, both my grandfathers were, were colonels, well, Navy captain. Uh, my father was Air Force civil engineer. My uncle was Air Force officer. You know, I was in a military family and I, I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do and uh, love it. And I love my country and I was proud to serve. I was proud to deploy uh, and, and fight 
for other people, not just this country, but other countries that needed our help. It was, it was a passion. And I had no clue that this stuff went on. And uh, I have suffered greatly. And I know there's other people like me that have also suffered depression, mm -hmm. had suicidal thoughts, uh, multiple counseling sessions. I'm still seeking counseling sessions, not just for the post-traumatic stress from this court-martial, but from my divorce and, and, and the, the effect that it's had on my first three children. Uh, it's, uh, I still feel like I have a long ways to go before I can recover from this. Well, I'm sitting here next to you and I'm really, I, I know that we've, we've talked on occasion with Arvis, but I'm really proud to hear that you're doing the work because that's the hardest part. I think that with the military getting those numbers and making sure that they're able to get those convictions, you're not thinking about the person that it's affecting. It's a number. And sitting here with you today, you're not a number. You're not just another person that's thrown into the mix of this is happening to so many. It doesn't need to be happening to anybody. And Arvis, that's why you and I have had numerous conversations. I mean, I grew up in a military family. I didn't know this kind of injustice happened. I had no idea. But I feel like once you start opening that box, it's no longer fitting into a box. It's happening to more and more and more people. And that's why we're here today. So Arvis, what is going to make this change to get this to not be such a problem? But not only that, but it's, it's being hidden. So what is this doing with interior of our military? So it's, I'm glad you asked that question, Tabitha. It's tearing it apart. I mean, think about people who are focused on the mission, who in the back of their mind know they can be falsely accused and wrongly convicted. So number one, people in the force, their morale is going to be lowered. Number two, how will you attract the best and the brightest if they know this is going on? And so you ask what needs to happen. At a bare minimum, the military needs to review and reverse these convictions. Because here's what most people don't understand. Let's say Texas takes him off the registry. But if he moves to another state, they have the right to put him right back on. Mm -hmm. he, he visits a state for too long. They have the right to put him right back on. And so at a minimum, review and reverse the conviction. They have to announce it. Just like they announced all of these guilty verdicts that never should have taken place. They have to announce it so people know. And then they have to some form of restitution. Because being on the registry is a punishment. Um, the other thing is, think about parents being unsettled. Is you give the military your children and you trust them to do the right thing. That they'll learn morals. And think about their models. Honor, courage, and commitment. Well, is it honorable to do the wrong thing? It's not. And if we allow that to go forward. So, so really, the, the other part of your question is, by informing the public, if the public stands out, we have a petition. It's change.org forward slash unjust UCMJ. If they were go out, sign and share that petition and we get media support to inform people that maybe it informs the politicians who will then put pressure on the military to do the right thing. But that's what it's going to take. And then the last thing is they have to change the laws. I'll give you one quick example. Then I promise to be quiet. Recently, the military changed the law regarding um, um, factual insufficiency. So let me explain what that means. So Tabitha, I just accuse you of stealing my wallet. You stole my wallet, right? Not that there's anything in it, but you stole it. 
So then you go to military court, you get found guilty. So what the appellate courts used to have is something called factual insufficiency. So in that example, the facts are you're in Texas and I'm in Virginia. The facts are I still have my wallet in my pocket. So they would go, the facts are insufficient to support the conviction. So the military removed that because they were losing too many cases on appeal. But why even have those cases go forward if the facts are insufficient? They don't support it. So literally, they make moves to the uh, National Defense Authorization Act very quietly. And most people don't review that section. And I know I said I'd be quiet, but one last piece of the rule. They even had at one point in time where they switched. Instead of innocent until proven guilty, you were guilty until proven innocent. The right was on the defense to prove that they were innocent instead of the prosecution the otherwise. They do so many different things to ensure convictions. And then they also do administrative tools like boards of inquiry, uh, um, chapter 15, article NJP. It's non-judicial punishment to go after you if they miss in court. So it's going to require a wholesale changing of the rules, review and correct these cases, and change the mindset of the American people so they can trust them again. And I know that was a long long answer, but but that's what I think needs to happen. That's what we think needs to happen. I like how you said changing people's mindset. You and I always had a conversation where when we're telling stories. I, I said, the number one thing we learn, especially growing up, is to listen. And there's a big difference between listening to somebody and hearing somebody. And that's why we're here in person today is because this is something that you need to listen that happens to everyone, but you need to hear each individual story. Like I said, I didn't know that this kind of injustice was happening. I had no idea. But every kind of pebble that the government seems to kind of drop and the military drops, they take it back. And they realize, you know what, maybe, nope, we want to take it back. But now, especially with this case, I feel like every state that you will ever live in, like Arva stated, is going to go against what the military decided to do. You gave your entire life up for your country, and this is the repayment that they're giving. Uh, and to add to Arvis's point, uh, I can't even go visit my mom in Oklahoma for more than three days. Otherwise, I have to report to Oklahoma that I'm a sex offender, and then they put me on the Oklahoma Sex Offender Registry. Mm. Uh, and that follows you. It doesn't. It doesn't just go away just because you leave the state. It's there. Mm-hmm. I know when I did the poll and I shared your story on Instagram and TikTok and every single platform that's possible, because we need this to go massive. We need as many people as possible to join in on this because we have to make a change. And it's, it, it terrifies me that how quickly they are able to create their narrative, no matter who it is, no matter what the story. And that's why we're here. So many people, when I ask them, we didn't know this happened. Why is this? And the big question is, Arvis, everyone always asks, why is this being hidden? Why are cases like this not being talked about? And we know why. It's because once the conviction has happened, it has to stick for them. Right. And and think about this. Think about the reputation the military has. Think about movies where the military is portrayed. Is this could have ramifications for recruiting for generations. I mean, think about Agent Orange did to Vietnam and things like that. And so they have a vested interest in keeping this quiet, keeping it small is we have access to hundreds. We believe there could be thousands of men and women affected. And so 
they don't want this information out and they've got really good public relations and most people they they care about the military for holidays you know veterans day july 4th thank you for your service but beyond that you know what it's hey you look nice in uniform in a parade and they don't dig underneath to see what's happening but until they make their voices known stuff like this will continue to happen and it'll happen in other different areas um so yeah, it, it's really about what you're doing is informing people, letting them know, and then letting them do what's right, what they feel is right. So I always ask people, imagine if you were falsely accused and wrongly convicted or somebody you love. Is that what you want? Do you believe that makes the military stronger or weaker? We believe it makes them weaker when you have that. The people can't focus on their job, so you have to do something about it. You have to make your voices known because if you don't, when it happens to you, there'll be no one left to act. So think about that. When you had to make your your voice heard, because I get this from a lot of a lot of individuals that Arvis and I have connected with, you feel that you're almost at a loss. You're going against the government. You're going against the military. Like, did you have that feeling of where do I start? How far do I push? How much more energy? Because you're coming off of a divorce. You're coming off of your children not being able to see you. And then you're still having to get the power and the momentum behind yourself, behind your story and feeling proud of, you know what? I didn't do this. I'm, I'm a great individual. How do you go from point A to point B when you're going against the military to prove who you are? Uh, it took some time and a lot of, uh, support from people that know me and love me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's very intimidating when you're facing the United States military. I mean, what can I do? I'm a pee on, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little itty bitty person in this big sea of government officials that are way smarter than I could ever think about being. Uh, what could I possibly do to to change their minds, to change anybody's mind, and and to look closer at this? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I'm so grateful to Arvis and his his leadership and his his uh, campaign management skills. Uh, he's he's very instrumental in in leading the charge here, and, and uh, I've grown to love this man. And uh, I just uh, you know several counseling sessions with not just real life counselors, but my best friend and, and his wife have been very supportive and in, in, in coaching me through this and finally getting on board with raising my voice and realizing that this isn't just about me. This is about artists. This is about so many other men and, and a few women that this has happened to. And, um, I've got, I've got to stand up for them, not just for me. So, and I'm very emotional about it now and it's taken, taken some time, but I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. Uh, it's, it's out of control. Mm-hmm. I think Arvis, every person that we've spoken to and every, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people that this, it's hard because there's so many differences in all of your stories, but when it comes down to the hub of it, it's the same. You guys are all fighting to be heard, to feel respected, to still be honored for who you are and everything that you have gone through that you didn't deserve. 
And every question that I always ask these individuals, including what I just asked, how did you feel going against the military? And it's always the same. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I just don't know if I have the energy. But the more that each one of you individuals speak up, the stronger it's going to be because there's, like you said, there's so many that have been wrongfully convicted, wrongfully accused, and are trying to figure out what life looks like in starting over when you don't deserve to start over. You just deserve the life that you are continuing to live. Arvis, like you and I have said so many times, this is happening to so many. So if we have somebody listening right now to Micah's story and they may say, okay, I'm ready. Like listening to Micah, I'm ready. I feel strong enough to, to move forward. What are their options? Because you, you're not alone in, in what you're going through. So one, if they contact you and you can refer them to me, I would love to have them on board. We like to hear their story. We've got a couple of investigators because we want to look into the story to make sure that the case is legitimate. And one of the things that's starting to bear a little fruit is quarterly we're testifying in front, in front of a defense advisory committee uh, that informs DOD. But, but really, it's, it's contacting us and, and let us hear your story. And we want to help you put it out. But as, as Micah said, a lot of people are afraid. Again, they're afraid for their families. They're afraid for themselves, plus the trauma that they go through. Every time they tell this story, they relive it. And so it's just so incredibly difficult for them. And so what we do is we commiserate with them. We help them through it as much as we can. We help them articulate their story. Because most military people were taught to be brief um, and it's just factual. And, and what we teach them is you have to say the impact. You have to not only say what happened A to B, but what was the impact to your life? You know, you can't go on field trips. You can't do this. Um, many of us demoralized, suicidal. Some of are homeless. And so what Micah did so courageously in sharing his story has already attracted others to us. So we ask that they reach out to us and that they show the bravery that we're all showing and they tell their story. That's the only way. And I'd like to say one, one great thing that I think I've told you is, is women are exceptional, is that most of the calls that we get, it's from the mothers, it's from the wives that they see this wrong and they want it corrected. And so they see you know, their, their, their loved ones suffering and they always want to do something about it. So we ask, and someone in their life, please reach out to us. Let us hear their story. Let us share it with the world. And then through all of that, we will get this changed. Well, I'm honored to have sat with you today. I think what you've been through is something that is like a nightmare that I would never want any of my family members or friends. And for everyone I have on here, especially Arvis, uh, anyone that I interview, your family to me. And uh, I apologize on behalf of everything that you've gone through, because I think that just even going into the military is courageous. Um, how you've been treated is beyond disgusting. It's degrading. Um, losing time with your children is something you will never get back. But like Arvis said, sitting in the moment and talking about it and reliving that, it, it does not help your mental health, but you're changing so many lives that are out there because you're willing to sit, especially now today and say, you know, no one is perfect. There's no human being out there that's perfect, but you should still be treated as a human being and you should still be treated with respect. And that has not been done any situation with what you've gone through. Um, sitting and thinking about your future, it, um, it breaks my heart that you're going to miss out on so much because of a situation that never should have happened to you. 
and your current family is supportive, which is fantastic, but it still doesn't change. You're going to miss out. So thank you for coming on today and being with us. Arvis, you know, you hold a special place in my heart all the time. Um, but because you're sitting here and telling your story and we're going to put this globally across the world, I can't even begin to imagine the lives that you're going to be saving because you're sitting here today and being the most courageous and strong man that I personally have ever met. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, I look forward to working with you in the future and, and uh, figuring this out and, mm -hmm. and trying to make a difference somehow, some way. Mm -hmm. If you guys are listening to this and you're thinking, okay, I, I'm, I'm outraged. I'm ready to make a change. How do I do it? Arvis, what is next? How can we start getting this voice and getting as loud as possible? So large groups. So first of all, I want to thank you, Tabitha, for having the courage to put us on and put us out there because most media outlets, they don't want to touch it. They don't want to tell this side of the story. And there were a lot of organizations get federal dollars. So they don't want to they don't want to go after the federal government anyway. Most of the institutions that help innocence type people are state driven. So they don't want to help either. So one, go to your organizations and ask them to support us. Go to the media outlets, ask them to cover us. Um, reach out through you, reach out through our petition again, change.org forward slash unjust UCMJ. Reach out to me, put your story out there and, and ask, right? So I would tell parents, look, you can't control your children. If they're going to join the military, they are. Have them ask, what rights do they give up legally? that American citizens take for granted. I will tell you this one thing, which is controversial, you might think. It's if I told them that their children in the military have less legal rights than someone we arrested for terrorism who gets tried in Guantanamo Bay. I said, think about that for a second. So lift your voice, make it known, sign and share our petition, tell us your stories and be willing to have them shared. Um, and like I said, contact large groups, your media, your, your politicians, and have them ask the question and do the homework. Thank you again for this. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Thank you. And, and like so many other episodes that we've had and talked about, you're still proud of the country that you served. That amazes me. So many people think that these type of interviews are going against the military. I have a man that joined the military and is still sitting here and he is proud of his country after what his country has done for him. Just think about that. So many of so many of the wrongfully convicted still stay. If I had the opportunity, I would still go and serve again. I still love the country that I served. This is not an episode if you're listening of, oh, this is just against the mill. It's not. There's still a love and there's still an honor and there's still a sense of respect. And that's like when Arvis and Mike and I have talked on this episode. It's the difference between right and wrong. That's what this is about, especially with wrongfully convicted. There is a difference between right and wrong. So we need to kind of flip that. It is you are innocent until proven guilty, not you are guilty until you prove your own innocence. And that's where the change has to happen. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Little Bit of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow today's episode on your favorite listening platform and share these stories to more that need to be in the know. Get in on the action with the podcast Facebook and follow The Little Adventures on Instagram at LittleCuteOneAZ. I'll catch you on the next episode.